You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers. With Renew Economy's editor, Giles Parkinson, and leading solar industry veteran, Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring, and SunWiz, the creators of the powerful PV cell software. Hello and welcome to this episode of Solar Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy and One Step Off the Grid and the Driven uh, EV Focus website. And uh, joining me today is Nigel Morris, solar industry veteran. I don't know whether that's an appropriate name, uh, Nigel, but also with Solar Analytics, one of the sponsors of this podcast. Uh, Nigel, how are you? Uh, Not too bad at all, Giles. Just back from uh, a week on leave. So, you know, can't complain about that. Sounds like you're living a bit of a tough life. Last time, last time I spoke to you, you just come back from Munich and um, the big intersolar party. Now you've just come back from leave. Um, yeah, Perth and Adelaide in between that too. And so it's Perth and Adelaide in between weeks. it. That's right, yeah. of course. Yeah. My God, where do we where do we leave last time? So so Perth and Adelaide were, were sort of safe and secure and um, and plugged in. Yeah, Perth and Adelaide were terrific. Um, great great training seminars. I was down there for training seminars with a bunch of great people and doing dealer education on sales and marketing and products and stuff. So that was great fun and great to always great to get out and meet people, um, you know, 50, 60, 80 dealers at each show. And, um, you know, when you start, you know, you share a beer afterwards and have a chat and learn about what p- different people are doing and the different challenges they're facing and um, the different opportunities they've got. It's really interesting. Always, always fascinating. Now tell us what the mood is out there. Oh, cripes. What's the mood? <laughs> I think the mood is is that, you know, for the time being, with a new government, new policy, residential and small scale is going to continue to, to probably chug along quite nicely. And indeed, the numbers from last month kind of indicate that. Um, we, we did have a bit of a pause um, uh, of, of inquiries and the phones stopped ringing while everyone waited to see who was going to get in and if there were going to be any new rates, rebates. That's, but that's in Victoria, yes. Yep, yep. So, yep. you know, there's been a couple of pauses around the marketplace and certainly some markets are doing better than others. But, um, but, you know, the underlying demand is still there. The underlying economics are still there. So, you know... And what absolutely, yeah. I mean, th- that latest data, which just came out um, from SunWiz, which is just happily and coincidentally the um, the other sponsor of this podcast um, yes, with the PV cell product. God, talking about getting in the sponsors early. Um, <laughs> but SunWiz data came out and showed that, um, oh, look, what was the, I, um, I can't remember the overall national number. Um, Victoria, because of the sort of decline in inquiries, was still still pretty busy, but got overtaken for the month by New South Wales and Queensland, which had... Mm-hmm. Pretty close to record months, and New South Wales is now above two gigawatts. Yeah. Um, but look at this. The um, um, it came out again in in another subject that we'll talk about soon. Um, a, the AEMO's um, forecast uh, for twenty forty is fifty six gigawatts of rooftop solar. So that's seven times what we've got now in twenty years. Fifty six. 50, well, up to 56. Uh, it's up perfectly 56. feasible. It could be up to 56 gigawatts of rooftop solar, which is just about every rooftop you can imagine has got some sort of solar on it. Well, not quite, but I mean, you know, penetration levels, extraordinary. That came up in their sort of documents and their, and their sort of planning about, um, 
that what they want to do is a bit of a um, an official registration of uh, distributed energy, which obviously includes rooftop solar, battery storage, and may even include electric vehicles. Mm. Interesting one. We've had some sort of de facto re- registration through um, the Clean Energy Regulator and um, and other things, but they want to make it kind of more official because they don't, they don't feel like they've got a bit of a handle on where everything is and what it's doing. Mm. And um, so they've put out their proposal about how this might operate. And that's going to take us down another interesting path, which is going to be about sort of what they're calling about orchestration of mm. rooftop solar, which mm. which sounds like it might be a really good idea because, you know, if you've got this massive resource, then it's, it's theoretically you want to be able to control it. But then I guess the rules and regulations on how you control it then become a bit of an issue particularly with some of the other things which are going on. And um, I know we want to talk about your bush trip to Kuma, but while, we're on, while I'm on a roll, mate, when I'm on a roll, yeah. I'm sort of gliding gently downhill. Um, um, there was another thing about the networks um, refloating this idea of putting exports, uh, putting a tax on exports, basically the solar tax. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, strike me pink. Really? Um, yes, yes, really. Um, they claim to have the support of a couple of, um, you know, community groups and um, consumer groups. And so I rang up the consumer groups and they said, no, they don't have our support. They've just oh, mistaken something. They? So oh. what the consumer groups are basically saying is that, look, you know, if we're smart about this, we need to kind of reframe the way the whole market sort of operates and the way it sort of allocates costs and revenues. And there's a fair argument for that because, you know, we've moved away from the centralised system to the distributed system and everyone has a different role now and that's fair enough. But just sort of taking bits and pieces and just saying, okay, I'm going to have more money here and more money there is um is just sort of you know pocket filling and greedy and just really just takes us takes us nowhere forward at all so no that's and it's, a, be- it's a repeat of the same kind of sledgehammer approach to all sorts of things that we've seen in the past i mean we've got um uh, drm requirements uh, demand management requirements that were mandated on inverters what was that four years ago three years ago maybe maybe more um and you know the, the the networks aren't using it, and and every inverter manufacturer that comes to Australia has to have this capability in there, and it's a, it's a feature there and a function that's not even used. And we've seen this over and over and over again of of either a, a sledgehammer approach to a problem in you know one or two specific areas, or regulation and policy that says you can only connect X amount, you know, statewide, even though there are plenty of parts of the network that could use that extra power. So you know. Um, they're really just grasping at straws and throwing, you know, disjointed policy out. With, with yeah, it's with really like disappointing. This. Actually, it just seems to me that the networks lobby has just gone actually a bit backwards in the last um, year or two. I don't know with the, the, the new sort of leadership and management and things like that. I mean, you know, I mean, I just looked at my electricity bill the other day and just looking at the fixed charge that I get where I live, and um, you know, it cost me six hundred dollars just to have the connection a year before I even switch a light on. So. Um, mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty fierce. Um, and, you know, their efforts to blame rooftop solar on voltage for voltage issues. Now, look, we do know that rooftop solar can have some in- impact on voltage issues, but we also know that the voltage issues are largely there anyway because a lot of the voltage issues appear, according to research done by your own company. Mm. Um, well, the data came from us, at least, but it's by the data UNSW. From, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That, you know, a lot of the voltage issues happen overnight when solar's not happening. So That's um, right. That's right. The, the, networks, the network voltage control is... Is a diabolical mess, and the data is out there to demonstrate that. So there's a lot of room for improvement. There's a lot of challenges out there, but you know, um, 
you know, brute force instruments like this uh, are just dumb. They, they really aren't progressing. Well, they're a step backwards and they just they cause a bit of dismay because, you know, while we've got a federal government which is not going to do anything sort of vision-wise, um, you kind of hope that everybody else is going to get their act together and go, okay, this transition is on, we need to have a path, we need to have a sensible path, we've got to do this properly and nuclear. not just people out nuclear. there. We're just, going um, nuclear now. Oh, we? God, don't, talk, don't start me on nuclear. <laughs> oh, my God. That's where oh, we're going. Look, you know, um, oh, no, that'll be another 10 minutes, mate. I mean, <laughs> I mean right. off, off I'll go. Oh, off yeah. I'll go. Just it, make, it actually makes my blood point. I got up this morning, I was sort of, um, yeah, um, got so annoyed when I saw the latest uh, nuclear stuff. And isn't it coincidental that the same people, the same coalition MPs and other MPs and the IPA promoting nuclear and the Murdoch press promoting nuclear are the same people who think that climate science is a hoax and the same people who are pushing for coal-fired power stations? Um, look, I guess I don't need to tell you or even our listeners about that, but um, it's just so frustrating that this message seems to get across uh, to the general public simply because of that monopoly media, simply because they just shout a lot. And we saw that was, I guess that's one of the lessons of the last election and of Brexit and Trump is if you actually just sort of shout a lot and sort of say, shout a lot and say some complete bollocks about some technology, um, then people will believe you. Yeah, and, um, maybe, yeah. maybe we should shout more. And we should chat louder <laughs> on more <Something>. channels. <laughs> Nigel, time to take me back out bush, mate. Tell me about your tell me about your family holiday. Well, I'm not going to talk about the family holiday, but it was terrific. We had a week uh, down in near Cooma in the snowfields. Uh, of course, we picked the coldest week of the year when the south southerlies came in, and so you know we got to see some snow, quite a bit of snow. Um, but what was really interesting was driving down. Uh, out out through the suburbs of Sydney um, because when you I was lucky to be a passenger my wife was driving for the first part of the trip and I just sat there and just looked out the window and blow me down when you when you drive across Sydney and you you got an eye for it there's a lot of solar out there there's a lot of roofs with a lot of solar so that was the kind of first insight I had is wow you know it's still going there's still solar out there it's it's prolific you can't miss it um, and then off we headed, and and of course when you get down towards Canberra, um, off in the distance you see the 140 megawatt capital wind farm, which on a on a on a beautiful crisp cold day with a good stick of wind was just the most wonderful graceful sight. I don't know how anyone finds them offensive, but you know that was quite spectacular. Joe Hockey did, and um, I know. And just at the road, there's going to be a 220 megawatt farm at um, Collector, much to the ah um, yes. Chagrin of um, Morris Newman, the former um, ABC chairman and climate hoax um, proponent mm. idea and mm. um, what have you. So, um, yes, um, yeah. some, people, some people don't like that view. But, some um, people I, don't like them. Jeez, I agree I with you. I think it's wonderful. It's pretty hard to find a fence at them. Goodness, they're, they're graceful. They're, 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 you know, scattered. They're not, you know, this massive monolithic grey concrete thing uh, if we're going to have yeah. a power generator it's um, it's a yeah. pretty graceful uh, sight I think mind, uh, so mind that... you I have, I have seen some wind farms which look pretty appalling actually I've got to say in California yep. and you go through Altamont Pass and um, that's a shocker that Too is much. an absolute shocker Too well much. because it's yeah. just basically they've, they've built some of these little turbines um, back from the 1980s and they're quite small and they're fast rotating and some of them are in disrepair and they seem to have just sort of upgraded them simply by building more wind turbines on top of them right next uh -huh. to them uh -huh. and um, it does look a shocker I mean you know if you ever wanted to sort of you know 
uh, launch a case against the wind industry, then that's where you take people. But anyway, talking about the good news, off to off to see some solar farms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so you know, you go past Capital Wind Farm, and and you know, twenty thirty minutes down the road, uh, blow me down if you don't come across Mount Majura Solar Farm, um, which is which is quite old now, um, and only two point three megawatts. But at the time was define define old, uh, Nigel. <laughs> uh, five years, I think. Five years, okay. You know, you know for a big farm, it was <laughs> time it was to take the solar panels to the rubbish tip. <laughs> It was groundbreaking in its day, but you know a lot of that big stuff. It was it was the groundbreaking stuff in the large scale stuff um, that all happened in the ACT, which was great. And then fifteen minutes down the road, you come across uh, Royala. Uh, which is 20 megawatts. Um, we didn't stop on the way down, but I did force the family to stop and take some photos of me on the way back because, you know, it's not every day you see a 20 megawatt solar farm. Um, no, and it's it's an interesting one because it's it's it, you, you can't miss it from the highway, but it's, again, it's quite graceful. It rolls across these rolling plains and, you know, it's big, but it's not, um, it, it's, it's not the ugliest thing I've seen in my life. Um, and that was quite spectacular. And then we arrived, lo and behold, we arrived at our, our farm stay that's a um, 80, 80, 70 year old uh, sheep and cattle farm up in the high country outside Cooma. And of course, what do you find on the, on the farmer's house but uh, a solar system? Them. So we it were saying in the, it wasn't Angus Taylor's place, was it? It wasn't <laughs> Angus's place. That's got a cracker of a solar system and a bunch of good stuff. It's monitored by Solar Analytics. That place too. I think. <laughs> no way. Uh, <laughs> but no, it wasn't wasn't as plush and luxurious as Angus's. It was pretty basic. It was the old shearing quarters that had been converted into dorms. Uh, and so my family and I spent a, a fantastic week down there. Um, you know, trying to stay warm, basically. Um, but uh, nice. but but really really interesting because you know the the thing is turn all the devices off, get the kids out in the bush, get them doing interesting things, um, connecting with nature, sitting back, seeing your family, cooking on an open fire, um, and get away from work. And I uh, couldn't really get away from work. There's solar everywhere and energy stuff going on in here everywhere. And the of course, bloody solar's following you down the highway. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. damn it! And of course, we dived in deep on snowy. Um, uh, my father-in-law and I were, were desperate. We tried to get a tour through um, one of the turbine halls. In fact, um, couldn't get in, sadly. But um, yeah, went through a couple of the uh, museums and stuff, and, and learned a lot. And 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 you know. Snowy was just an amazing thing. It was an amazing, amazing project, and um, fingers crossed, um, Snowy Two um, can live up to the monumental, uh, world-class uh, project that um, the original Snowy was, um, uh, with um, no lives mm. lost. Well, I'm very surprised that um, I'm very surprised that no one gave you a shovel and um, asked you to start digging, or um, you know, or <laughs> maybe put a couple of lumps of dirt in your pocket, so you know, sort of cold it style. You could sort of walk around and just sort of gradually sort of um, sort of drop the dirt onto the floor. Any shovel so that no one notices. Help, I suspect, man. It's. Uh, I think there's about. <laughs> I, I think so, uh, someone sort of. Um, what, what do they compare it? Like I think to to remove the soil from snowy 2.0 like the tunnel the tunneling is a, f- a football field piled 1.6 kilometers high or something like that i mean it's just yep. like it's, it's mind-numbing mind-numbing yeah um, yep. and the whole scheme mind-boggling is, uh, the whole scheme is i mean it's such a complex scheme of lakes and dams and pumps and turbines now uh and then to look at what they're going to do with snowy too because there was quite a lot of feature on that um was was you know it's really amazing so you know um let's let's hope that they Pull that off. Well, yes. Um, <laughs> we haven't been the greatest fans well. of Snowy 2.0. No, Suddenly the, 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 but, uh, yeah, but, uh, the podcast uh, yeah. goes quiet as we try to think of something polite to say. <laughs> 
let's hope it goes well. Let's hope it delivers. Let's hope it does everything that it should. And let's hope the one thing that I do like about it is the they're taking advantage of an existing capacity and resource that's there and bringing it up to the 20th century. Maybe they once they finish with Snowy 2, they can head down to Canberra and do the same with their politicians. Do you think it'd be too much to ask to bring it up to the 21st century? I mean, that's where we are. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. I've got there the you flu. Go. I've got point, the flu. I'm my not point exactly. Sharp, oh yeah, mate. blame the drugs. Blame the drugs. That's it. Yeah, good on you. Good on you, mate. Um, off to crap solar. Now there was a very interesting mm. ABC broadcast the um, other day on Seven Thirty Report, um, pointing out um, some issues with solar. Look, a lot that we don't know, but interesting that it pulled together on the mainstream media. Um, I hope that people didn't get away with a bad idea about solar, but it's probably good to actually warn. Um, and I'm not too sure whether they did this well enough, is that basically the message should be that most solar things are really, really good, but there's an awful lot of crap out there. And if you buy cheap, you're probably buying rubbish. There's some dodgy players out there and there are some bad installations. But um, look, what, what, did, what did you make of it? Yeah, look, I mean, it was definitely focused on the negative. Um, but on balance, I think it was tough but fair. Um, it, you know, it was a story about the challenges of getting good quality gear in there and the challenges for the industry in, in um, you know, keeping installation quality up and managing hyper growth at times and all those kinds of things. And, and no excuses. We have to get this right. We have to have the right policy we have to um, make sure that people are safe and that good quality gear goes in. And um, so, you know, personally, I thought it was tough but fair. Um, and, and you know, um, let's hope it stirs up, particularly, let's hope it stirs up enthusiasm and support within the clean energy regulator and indeed the government who provides their funding um, to, to do more audits and to do more support. I mean, the entire solar industry, with the exception of you know, the cowboys, um, the good guys in the industry, almost without exception, are saying we're more than happy to take more inspections and, and, and we want the inspection rate to track at the right level so that it's statistically valid. There are a couple of guys, um, a number of entities, in fact, um, uh, calling for 100% inspections and indeed we have 100% inspections in Victoria associated with the state program and I believe in Tasmania as well uh, and and you know the story and some of the surrounding articles around it on the ABC highlighted the fact that there is a bit of frustration coming from the states that they're not getting enough uh, audits and enough support from the clean energy regulator and there's a great bunch down at the clean energy regulator who are really committed to making sure that solar is safe and regulated well, but of course they can only do what they can do um, with the budgets they're provided. So if nothing else, I hope the message that, that comes out of it is that the Clean Energy Regulator and the Clean Energy Council and the, the Smart Energy Council and everyone and all the individuals and groups that are out there battling for quality get more support. Um, that's what we need. And um, so, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think it was I think it was not a bad thing for the industry at this point in time and for consumers to be reminded that you've got to shop a little bit carefully. Yes, and also just be very wary of things that just appear in your letterbox or on email. Um, a couple of months ago, we did a story uh, about people's letterboxing offering these, um, you know, you've been chosen for a special battery trial program. And I think they, I got one the other day. And they've, they've moved I mean, on from. They've, moved, they've offered one to me. I know. It's such an moved, opportunity. They've changed batteries. They've changed batteries. I know. Um, uh, yes, I know. I know. Very exciting. Yeah. Um, I've been um, trying to um, ring them up and um, and find out um, how much it is, but um, 
Yeah, look, a couple of um, things. One, how do they know I've got solar and I want a battery? Um, mm. Two, um, um, oh, I can't swear on this program, can I? <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Shout it. Shout it Piss out off. Loud. Piss off. Get out of. Get out of my letterbox. Get out of. Get out of this industry. Um, mm. Go away. So. Um, mm. Um, pretty awful, but you've you spotted something else on on Facebook as well. Well, similar similar kind of thing, and and you know the number of new companies popping up and the number of ads popping up now. It's the end of the financial year last month, so you know, I my Facebook feed is just inundated with ads from companies I've never heard of, um, brands I've never heard of, names I've never heard of, and and you're just going, who are all these people? And and not just one or two, like dozens and dozens and dozens and all bottom feeders. Um, but the one that caught my eye uh, was one that was called New South Wales Solar Program, which looked for all intents and purposes like a government uh, Facebook page. It looked like a you know something associated with the New South Wales Solar Program, um, but of course you know being being intrigued by these things, I dug and dug and dug, and pretty quickly was able to determine um, that it was run by an internet marketing company that um, collects uh, details, which they will then on sell to solar companies as solar leads, um, and um, you know that is utterly deceptive, and it's not the first deceptive one I've seen um, where it inf- implies and infers. Um, very clearly and and looks for all intents and purposes like it's some kind of government-led a facebook campaign which it is not it is just a lead generation program so be careful and don't take these facebook ads and facebook pages uh for uh, on face value you've got to do some digging before you start entering your details in Um, i entered my details in i can't wait to see what comes up yeah, and talking about the New South Wales Solar Program, I don't actually think there is a New South Wales Solar Program, even though there is supposed to be a New South Wales Solar Program because the current government got elected with a promise of doing some sort of lending or zero-interest loans on solar. Yes. So um, it'd be interesting to find out where, where we're up to with that. And Well, um, indeed, we'll... which is exactly why I clicked on the link, Giles. You know, they, that's exactly why I clicked <laughs> you were lured. on the link. You were lured. I, was, I went, oh, this is crap, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the bait and see where it takes me and see if they know something that I don't. And I jump out on the government website and there's nothing on the government website there's no updates about the imminent release of the program um, I know the team are working hard and um, they have been chatting to some people in the industry which is great uh, they're looking at how to get the program out and how to design it and how to learn from the past which is great um, so come on guys come on Mm. Get it out. Absolutely. And look, uh, um, our, our, our third tip from um, a Crap Solar this week is about solar isolators. Now, this goes back mm. to some of the issues raised in the ABC 730 report. It does. Um, and um, you've, been, you've, you've been on social media again, this time on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, I was aware... I don't and, know. And- Munich... Bush holidays, Facebook, YouTube. YouTube. I don't know. It's work thing, Nigel. Just don't see how it happens. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Look. You do know your bosses listen to this program, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Look, you know, <laughs> we're always interested and we're always hunting for stories. That's the bottom line. And, and, and trying to, you know, understand what consumers need. That's where, the, that's where my <laughs> profound... 
for uh, the consumer. <laughs> for the consumer. Yes. My profound interest in what's being said out there is is uh, ongoing. And um, lo and behold, saw a little uh, YouTube story from um, um, a YouTuber called EEV Blog. Um, now, EEV Blog is an EV guy. He's an electrical guy. He loves his solar. He loves his EVs. And he blogs on all sorts of stuff. And um, he put solar analytics in um, three, four years ago, maybe, um, just added it to his solar system and did a nice little uh, YouTube, unsponsored, uh, um, uninitiated YouTube uh, story about why he put it in and why he thought it was cool, which is nice. And and just by coincidence this week, I happened to detect, I happened to see that he'd put in a new one. And that one said that he'd found a problem with his solar system, courtesy of solar analytics, which was awesome because that's a real world story of someone with a solar system who's had a problem and 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 we found it for them first. Before anyone else found it, we found it for them within uh, uh, less than 24 hours, in fact. And, <coughs> excuse me, and what we discovered um, was that his inverter was dropping out around midday most days and he's pretty competent electrically, so he dug around, dug around and discovered that his rooftop isolator had failed. Typical of the failure rates in, that we see often in rooftop solar isolators, it had um, the plastic had degraded after f- about five years. Um, that had obviously allowed some moisture to get in. Moisture had got in and corroded the connections, created a short, um, and the the um, the switch was no longer working or, or feeding power. And we were able to detect that for him. Um, so he needs a new rooftop isolator, and it kind of highlighted the issue. And indeed, the campaign that's running all over the place at the moment to get rid of rooftop isolators. And right back in episode one or two, I think, we talked about fire risks particularly, and, and a lot of stats on fires, um, both internationally and Australia, and the risks and the pros and cons of removing this. Rooftop isolators were added as a safety measure. They allow you to isolate the output from the solar array. So if you're working on the cable downstream of the solar array, you know it's safe. And that's a good thing. Um, However, trying to get an isolator to work year after year after year after year reliably with no water ingress on the roof is extraordinarily challenging. And it is the number one failure point. Everyone knows it. We've had multiple recalls and not uh, not all the recalled isolators have been pulled out of the market so you know all power to everyone out there who is arguing to solve this problem because if we can get rid of this device it was designed to make systems safer but at the moment is the biggest failure risk it's the most common place that fires start so let's sort out rooftop isolators and minimize this risk and so what is the solution just just get rid of them completely or is there is there is there a better solution to um um, I mean, I don't think I've got them because I've actually got micro-inverters and an AC um, setup, so I don't have a rooftop isolator as far as I'm aware. Um, and other people like me don't. Am I right? Oh, yeah, that's correct. With AC, yeah, that's right. uh, with AC systems, they're going to shut down automatically because they've got the smarts built into the micro-inverters, so you don't need an isolation okay. system. So um, what about the other DC systems then? What's the, did they have DC an alternative? Systems, well, there are, uh, there are products out there that can offer alternatives. So some of the... Uh, optimizers that are out there have a safe shutdown mechanism uh, and indeed in other countries uh, safe shutdown mechanisms are required as part of the standard so there are, there are a number of different ways that we can solve this problem um, the the key here is that Standards Australia needs to accept and needs to catch up and needs to look at the data and accept that that rooftop isolators are causing more reliability and more risk and more problems than they are solving. And, and it is down to the Standards Committee. 
Well, surely the evidence must be out there because everyone seems to know it. I mean, is it... Um... Yeah, the evidence is out there. You can look at the audit reports, which is publicly available through either the CC or the Clean Energy Regulator, and you can see that um, when you drill down and break it down, um, rooftop isolators are a huge, the, the single largest problem. So let's hope they get this sorted out once and for all. Let's hope so indeed, because it's mm. fundamentally important for the um, for the solar industry. Because if these things are going to continue to fail um, and cause problems, then um, you know there's going to be um, there will be hell to pay. Yeah, um, there's risk. There's risk, this, and yeah, and absolutely. you know to consume to consumers out there, or, or or those who are out there who know people who've got solar, um, I, I do recommend that. Um, you know, they get a professional up on the roof periodically to check their system. That's good practice anyway. And certainly, if you've got a rooftop isolator installed on your system, that should be periodically checked. It should be checked to make sure that it's not subject to a recall. Uh, and it should be done regularly until, um, you know, these issues are improved. Fair enough. Mate, on to batteries. Um, mm. You've got a prediction. I do have a yeah, yeah, I do. Um, it's interesting, and, and you know, I've sort of touched on this a few times, but I don't think we're going to hit the sales targets uh, or the sales expectations that everyone thought this year. Um, and so you might ask me, Giles, why? Um, why, Nigel? <laughs> I've, got, I've got three theories. Um, the first one is that, of course, and there was a great article on... Um, um, on Renew Economy the other day that was looking at the, the price differential between automotive um, batteries and standalone um, uh, batteries or uh, stationary yes. batteries. And it highlighted the differences in price that are a function of, you know, fixed costs and, um, you know, the, the, the increased complexity in um, managing um, and, and, and installing um, a battery system on a home um, that's not smeared into the cost of a car. So, um, you know, so one of the issues that we have particular to our country is that foreign exchange rates are not working in our favour, and that has increased costs um, of, of, of a number of batteries in Australia. Um, and, of course, you know, all the battery manufacturers are desperately trying to grow this market and create this market and crack this market open. So they're not making a lot of margins, so there's not much room for them to, to move. Um, so if foreign exchange works in, against us, they've got to put their prices up, and we've seen a bit of movement already. So that's number one. Number two, and I hear this consistently, and you know, being on the road and um, talking with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dealers uh, about all sorts of things, you know, a consistent story that I hear is, you know, well, you know, I can sell five, six kilowatt solar systems, hand over fist, um, great economics, makes sense, people get it, it's pretty straightforward, it's pretty simple, and and you know, we can punch them out really quickly and easily, and the install's pretty straightforward. Um, but if you try to sell a battery or you add a hybrid inverter, um, that's a more complicated sale. Um, there's a lot more questions that come into play because the paybacks are different on the batteries to what they are on the solar. Um, and then there's a whole lot of options. Do you want backup capability? Um, how are we going to monitor this complex system now? What programming do we want? How are you going to use this energy and how do we optimize it? And then how do we get it online and connected so that we can all 
check that it's working right and indeed that is fundamentally crucial for a lot of battery systems because you don't get a warranty if you're not web connected um, you've got to stay connected to the net so that various things can can be checked and and updates can be pushed through so they're complicated and there's a lot of installers out there saying Oof, we've done a few but you know the reality is we can punch seven kilowatt solar systems out all day long but selling batteries yeah it's hard work it's it's complicated it doesn't really pay back um, uh, fabulously, so why bother? I might just, you know, do the ones that people are desperate for, but otherwise I'll just focus on solar. So that's having an impact, and people have learnt over the last couple of years that it's not as straightforward as just whacking a battery. And the third one, of course, sorry, you were going to say something. No, I was just going to add my tuppence worth, which is um, <laughs> tuppence. Um, my tuppence. Well, it's probably worth threepence actually. Um, it's um, um, which is fifty percent more than tuppence. I have to put it put it. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you clarified that for the for the listeners because I don't. I, I, I think I, I think I've oversold my idea already. <laughs> um, but it is just pointing out that really, until we get some more in, in, insight into what. AEMA and the networks want to do with this sort of orchestration idea before we get more clarity yeah. around virtual power plants, how they're going to operate, peer-to-peer yeah. -peer trading. Yeah. Um, until we get clarity about changes in market rules, um, we kind of know that the batteries are actually quite clever, but a lot of what they can do just doesn't get appreciated by the market, doesn't even get valued by the market. That's so right. You can't not... extract the value yet, reliably. Exactly, yes. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's all. That was tuppence, tuppence, sixpence. Oh, that's good. Anyway. That's good. Yeah. Oh, on you go, that's number three. Two, Bob, thank you. <laughs> number three, the paybacks are still marginal. Um, look, batteries are a great idea. I've got one. You've got one. I just put one on my dad's place. Um, but I didn't do them because um, they're an awesome investment. I did them because I like the idea. I like the technology. I like the concept. Um, and, you know, I'm interested. Um, and um, so, you know, from a pure economics point of view, if you come down to that conversation, consumers are going to go, oh, geez, okay, in broad terms, they're going to pay back about when they're sort of towards the end of their life. I, I hear some stories about them being um, having five-year paybacks, but that's at the extreme end, I think, um, and in most cases, it's, it's a bit more towards the other. So paybacks are not there. So that's the third reason that we're sort of not seeing astronomical growth in batteries. And then the fourth one, which kind of wraps all of this up together, really, is, is um, you know, uh, how many early adopters are there out there? Um, yeah, we're at 50, 60,000 installed so far. Um, you know, how many more early adopters are there out there like you or me or my dad, Giles, that are, that are happy to spend a bit more money than makes sense from a pure economic standpoint and do this? Um, at the moment, it is really an early adopter market. And, um, you know, in fact, a lot of people that I talk to are saying um, they don't talk about wanting a battery. They talk about wanting a Tesla. Uh, so, you know, there's a huge brand presence there as well, which is, um, which is fascinating. Um, and backing this up is, is backing all of this up is that we're hearing, uh, on the street that both the South Australian and the Victorian government, and indeed, I think also in Queensland as well, um, they've all had programs of varying forms to support batteries and the deployment levels, the take up in the market has not been anywhere near what they expected. 
Is that right? Because I thought, That's well, right. well, I might challenge you on that one. The Queensland one, they reckon they, reckon they sell, sold like hotcakes, but then they're only doing a, um, a small number, about 1,000, 1,500. Correct. The South Correct. Australian, so maybe, you know, they, they found the early adopters there. The South Australian one is um, a bit surprising to me. I would have thought that would have sold like hotcakes too. And I would have thought that the scale of subsidy that they were offering would have actually taken you past that early adopter level and kind of into the mainstream because it was almost like halving the cost. But... Um, mm. Indeed, that's, indeed. It's really interesting. There are lots of nuances, though, you know, and, you know, um, uh, looking at South Australia in particular, um, you know, the economic situation uh, in South Australia is very different to the economic situation in many other parts of, of the country. You've got lower average wages, you've got lower house value, um, you've got lower disposable income. So the opportunity for people um, to spend up big on, even though it's subsidised, is less. And of course, um, most of the batteries are being financed. And so you've got a, you've got a finance company saying, well, are you a good finance bet for, for this? And of course, if you're in a tougher economic um, uh situation that's going to be tougher to get finance through so there there are a number of issues at play and look i, I don't want to overplay it it's been slower than everyone expected which is really really interesting um and and tougher than everyone expected and and uh, you know a key part of that is well, what is this all about what's it going to do for me does it make sense should i get in now should i wait a year where are the big savings all the same questions come up over and over again um and and you know it's not an easy decision for a consumer to make so um anyway that's so i i think we're going to struggle to get there this year with batteries and while everyone's having such a good time with rooftop solar especially up to the 100 kilowatt mark um you know um why bother is is the thing that a lot of people are saying to me so there you go. Mm, interesting stuff. Interesting mm. stuff. Well, inter- in, look, interesting you mentioned Tesla too because um, I actually just put in my um, order for the Model 3 this week. I, um, I know. I sort of, I got, look, you know, I just got too excited. I've been waiting for this for three years. It's priced way more than I thought it was going to be when I put my initial down payment. And um, so I what kind of hell? sort of went, oh, what the hell? Sort of, you know, got my little t-shirt five sales, cents. T-shirts my... are going well. Well, that's right. Yes, I look, I did actually well. sell it. I, I sold another T-shirt last week. Oh, did you? Um, <laughs> I did. I did to my barista. Gave him a discount price. Um, but I got hold of the 10 cent jar and things like that. And, um, and I sort of put the order in. And then I went, oh, bugger. I forgot to put my bloody, um, I, f- I forgot to um, put the referral code that someone gave me for some, uh, free supercharging, oh, and no. um, and uh, and then I forgot to check in the roof rack. Oh. So I had to get them on the phone today, and I said, "Mate, about the Mate. roof rack, <laughs> can I have one, please? Or can can you put one on?" Yeah. And he goes, "Oh, look, I'm pretty sure you can." It's. Probably... I said, "Look, no, this is this is kind of like this is a deal breaker. If you can't have a, a, I can't What's have a roof point? rack. I don't want right. the car." He said, "Well, what do you want the roof rack for?" I said, "To put my surfboard, surfboard. on." Surfboard. Yeah. Well, I, I wasn't quite like that because he's from Tesla, so I was nice. But um, anyway, um, yeah, but it turns out that, yes, I can have it, but um, I might not find out how much it will cost, so maybe that... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, probably... funnily, funnily, i got a couple of friends, and, and they've both excitedly sent me um, screenshots of their confirmed orders this week as well. So it seems like Tesla are getting ready to start delivering left, right, and center. They were equally as excited. They, they as have you. sold a bunch of cars to a bunch of people who have never paid anything like what they've just agreed to pay for for a car <laughs> on this early adopter thing. Don't so I've got to say something about early adopters. Crust we're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, don't think about it too hard, mate. Just enjoy it. <laughs> but that's, that's, that, that's, what, that's what my partner told me. She said, John, you enjoy it. Yeah, It'll be fun. You deserve it. It makes a whole lot of sense.
Oh dear. Oh, okay. Can someone out there click on some more ads, please? Um, <laughs> On the end of that, it's time to thank our sponsors. And um, look, Nigel, actually, we, we we promised our audience a um, a special a special um, edition of the um, of the Driven podcast. Have you, oh, I know. you you got enough drugs in your body to sort of um, after we hang up here to do to do another one? I sure have. I've got a well, list of stuff. Uh, off, when I thought off. about all the things I learned, it was it was enough to wrap it on for a while. Well, we'll we'll wrap it on, but we'll close this one off here. Um, just like to thank the sponsors once again, um, Solar Analytics and a PV Cell from. Um, Warwick and Sunwiz and the guys down there. Thank you very much for your ongoing sponsorship and thank you to the listeners for tuning in. Um, as mentioned, um, we have the Energy Insiders podcast as well on Renew Economy and of course we have the Driven podcast. And as I found out the other day, some people think the Driven is just a podcast. It's not. It's also a website. Oh, really? And, it's a great um, website. I was on there today. Mate, it's powering ahead. It's almost it's got, got a lot as of stuff many, on there, man. It's almost got as many page views this last month as Renew Economy. Wow. Um, absolutely astonishing. Um, so there is a huge amount of interest in, uh, in EVs out there. So, But um, anyway, if you want to hear more, you're going to have to listen to us on the Driven Podcast sometime very soon. Bye for now. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, the creators of PV Cell software, powerful technology for solar sales and design. With free high definition rooftop imagery in every PV Cell plan, retailers can stay ahead of the competition. Visit sunwiz.com.au, Australia's leading solar software.